The man in the saddle is angular and long-legged. His skin is sun-dyed brown. The gun in his holster is gray steel and rainbow mother of pearl. The handle unmarked. But the gun has killed and the man has killed. People call them both the six-shooter. Frontier Gentlemen. Here with an Englishman's account of life and death in the West. As a reporter for the London Times, he writes his colorful and unusual accounts. But as a man with a gun, he lives and becomes a part of the violent years in the new territories. Now starring John Daner, this is the story of J.B. Kendall, Frontier Gentleman. Around Dodge City and in the territory on West, there's just one way to handle the killers and the spoilers. And that's with a U.S. Marshal and the smell of gun smoke. The two-fisted, quick-triggered marksman who shoots from the hip and never misses. Well, Jalo again. This is Buck Benny speaking. I'm excited to bring you today's episode of Gunsmoke and the Six Shooter. And introducing tonight our very first episode of Frontier Gentlemen. So we have a triple stack day. The first and only triple stack we'll have in quite a while. Today's episode of The Six Shooter is the last episode of The Six Shooter. What's kind of neat is something that didn't seem to happen too much back in the day was they would have a final episode of the show. Usually shows just sort of were canceled and you never really had any closure. Then in the, what, probably from television in, say, the 1980s, 90s, and on, sometimes shows would have a final episode, a closing episode, certainly the most famous being MASH with their final episode, the two-hour special, and just a way to say goodbye to everybody. In tonight's episode of The Six Shooter, Jimmy Stewart appears one more time, and it is a very fitting final episode. You can tell it's written as a final episode, and it's it's kind of a neat send-off for him and I won't get too much more into it than that, other than I'm really happy with how they created this whole series and how it ended up on the final episode. Now, replacing Jimmy Stewart from now on, or at least for the next 40 weeks or so, will be Frontier Gentlemen. Frontier Gentlemen is a wonderful series. I hope you give it a chance. We'll air it right after um, our episode of the Six Shooter tonight, and it features John Daner, who's a famous actor that appears a lot of times the heavy on Gunsmoke episodes. He it takes on the lead role and does a brilliant job of it. I love his performances. I just love John Daner. He's just a great actor. Now, the other main person for this show 
is Anthony Ellis. And Anthony Ellis wrote seven of the episodes of, seven or nine, I can't remember, of Gunsmoke. He's got a couple more episodes left, and then he'll be done with Gunsmoke. He won't write any more. But over on Frontier Gentlemen, he writes every episode except for four, I believe. So he writes virtually all the episodes are written by Anthony Ellis. And if you love Anthony Ellis's writing like I do, you're going to love this series. Besides that, he also directed the episodes and produced them. So I guess in modern terminology, we call him the showrunner. And the showrunner was Anthony Ellis. This was his baby from beginning to end. In fact, it's about an Englishman who comes to the West and it's all about his adventures. They always say you should write about what you know. And Anthony Ellis was an Englishman as well. And he he, uh, came to America and started writing these wonderful episodes of Westerns. He really got into the Western genre. So it's a perfect metaphor for his life and for what he um, was about in these episodes of Frontier Gentlemen. So it's kind of a cool presentation that he does of that, just that he is willing to share that piece of himself, what it's like being the outsider coming in from a different country, England in this case. And starting next week, we're going to have Rob presenting Frontier Gentlemen and Gunsmoke for you each week. We'll still have the gorgeous sound that we have. Everything will be the same. It's just Rob will be introducing the shows instead of me. He wanted to do Frontier Gentlemen, and I said, go ahead, and it'll give me a nice little break for a while. After our episode of Frontier Gentlemen, we have an episode of Gunsmoke written by Les Crutchfield called Cavalcade. And I hope you'll stay tuned for that as well. I think you're going to have a lot to look forward to with these great episodes of all three shows. Another piece that sets Frontier Gentlemen apart from all the other westerns is the theme song is written by Jerry Goldsmith. And I love Jerry Goldsmith's writing. Fantastic um, writer of of great music for films especially. Um, He wrote the Planet of the Apes theme. The theme for uh, Star Trek, the original Star Trek um, movie, the first movie. Uh, He wrote just a lot of different soundtracks that you would have heard over the years. We could list um, dozens and dozens and dozens of of shows you would know. Um, But anyway, it's just neat to to hear that. Uh, Frontier Gentleman is probably, what, has the greatest pedigree, maybe, of any of the westerns it just has some of the greatest actors from all the westerns some of the greatest uh, writing the the acting writing the um, music just the whole picture is amazing that they come up with for this um, series so i hope you're going to enjoy it and so we'll start off with our final six shooter say goodbye to jimmy stewart then say hello to john daner and frontier gentlemen and then close out the night with Gunsmoke. I hope you enjoy all three. See you next time. James Stewart as the Sick Shooter. The man in the saddle is angular and long-legged. 
His skin is sun-dyed brown. The gun in his holster is gray steel and rainbow mother of pearl, its handle unmarked. People call them both the six-shooter. The NBC Radio Network presents James Stewart as the six-shooter a transcribed series of radio dramas based on the life of Britt Ponson, the Texas plainsman who wandered through the Western territories, leaving behind a trail of still-remembered legends. Morning. Oh, I just can't seem to get used to a hotel bed. The way you sink down in them, you feel like you're lying in a pile of quicksand. Uh, where's Scar? Huh? Scar? Why, my horse. I thought maybe I'd take a ride out towards Saucer Mountain. Which stall's in, huh? Well, now, Britt, I, I don't want you to fly off the handle. What? What are you talking about? Well, the fact is, Scar ain't in no stall at the moment. Well, well, what's happened to him? Now, Britt, you know I wouldn't let anything happen to a horse that was left in my livery stable. You know that, don't you? Lamb, where's Scar? Just just tell me where he is. Well, he, he's... He's... Out. Out? You remember Jess Alden who runs the Willow Fork Gazette? Sure, sure. Well, but... sir, Jess and his wife Zoe has got a young lady visiting him. Myra Barker, her name is. She's Zoe's niece. Well, what in the thunder has all this got to do with my horse? Now, there, there's no need to get your head up, Britt. I'm explaining to you about Scar. Well, you're telling me about some woman named Myra Barker. Now. Well, that's where Scar is at. Myra took him out for a little canter. What? Well, well, now, you see, she's from back east somewhere, and she ain't got no horse of her own, so every once in a while she rents one of mine. Well, all right, go on, go on, Lamb. Well, she, she, she come into the stable this morning about an hour ago, just when I was opening up, and she said she felt like taking a little gallop to work up an appetite for breakfast, and so she'd be... Oh, she is a first-class rider, Britt. I don't care if she... What's got into you, Lamb? The, the idea of letting some woman ride out of here with Scar. Well, well, now, 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 I, I, I tried to argue with her, but Miss Barker is a real forceful young lady. She said she was sure you wouldn't mind since she was only going a short ways, and she told me I was to give you the rental fee, and here it is, Britt, 25 cents. I don't want any money, Lamb. I want my horse. Well, now, they, they, they ought to be back, but now Miss Barker usually never stays out more than 30 minutes. Yeah. Now, now, Britt, don't, don't start fretting about Scar. She, she'll bring him in all right. I'm not worried about him. He'll come in of his own accord. Of his own accord? What are you talking about? Lamb, I've had that horse since he was a colt. I broke him myself. Sure, Britt, sure. Why, he won't let anybody else ride him but me. Well, the last time anybody tried to mount that horse, he spooked and he threw the fellow a good 20 feet right straight up in the air. 20 feet... Oh, you don't say. Well, I, I noticed he acted kind of skittish when she started getting on, but I figured that was because he wasn't used to being rode with a side saddle. Oh, of course he's skittish. He's 
Side saddle? You mean she's riding Scar side saddle? Well, she's a real lady, Brit. Yeah, oh, she a lady. She won't be much of a lady lying out in a bed of cactus somewhere. Come on, we better start looking. Yeah, yeah, I, I guess so. Well, I, I'll, I'll take that gelding, and you can take my. Brit, Brit, looky there. Hmm. It's through the door. See her coming down the street. Well, I'll be darned. Say, I never knew Scar was a trick horse. Neither did I. Well, then where'd he learn that fancy step she's got him doing? Got me, Len. Oh, and you had me all worried, saying he wouldn't let nobody else ride him. <laughs> I ought to know better than to take you serious, Britt. Whoa, now. Whoa, now. Here. Here, here, here Parker. Let me give you a hand. Oh, thank you, William. <laughs> I do declare he acts like he don't want you to get off. Well, I guess he's going to miss me, aren't you, boy? Oh, that's a nice boy. He certainly is a fine animal, Lim. And a man who owns him surely must be proud. Yes, ma'am, I am. Oh? Uh, Miss Barker, this, this is Mr. Ponsett. Remember I, I told you Scar belongs to him? Oh, yes, of course. How are you, Mr. Ponsett? Well, I'm... Pleased to meet you, ma'am. I hope you don't mind my borrowing Scar. Mr. Truett didn't want me to take him, but I just couldn't resist the way he looked at me. It was almost like he was asking me to go for a trot. Well, yes, ma'am. You take good care of him, Mr. Ponsett. You wouldn't want anything to happen to a wonderful animal like that. Oh, no. No. No, I sure wouldn't. Uh, I'm, uh, Miss Barker. Yes? Uh... If you if you'd like to ride him again sometime, why I'll be staying at Willow Fork for a few days. Oh, that's and... very kind of you, Mister Ponsett. Lamb here, he'll fix you up when I'm not using Scar. Oh, thank you, thank you very much. Bye. Well, I just don't understand you, Britt Ponsett. Here you was raising Cain because I let her borrow Scar, and now you're volunteering to let her ride him anytime she pleases. I... I, I just don't understand it. Well, I thought seeing as how Scar kind of took a fancy tour, and what I mean is uh, he's a pretty good judge of human nature, and hey, she does seem to be first-rate rider. I mean, you know something, Lem? I don't understand it either. <laughs> a nice-looking young lady. There wasn't any doubt about that. And I, I liked the way she spoke right out. She didn't beat around the bush like a lot of girls man runs into. There was something about her eyes. That... <clears throat> well, anyway, I put my saddle on Scar, and we headed out towards Saucer Mountain. A couple of miles east of town, we came into a little hollow where nobody would be able to see us. Whoa, boy, whoa, whoa. Oh, now slow down. Slow down. I uh, I thought maybe I'd get Scar to do that fancy sidestep he was doing with Miss Parker. All right, now, boy, now. No, no, come on, now. No, 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 not Just now, that isn't good. Come on, now. Oh, now, now, Star, come on, now. You you were willing to do it for her. Now, come on, quit that. Quit. Well, he just wouldn't do a thing. Acted like he thought I was taking leave of my senses. Right? Oh, quit. 
I swung him back up into the trail, let him travel in the style he was accustomed to. Oh. Must have been about noon the time we got back to town and I pulled up in front of the cafe. Whoa, boy. Whoa, Scar. Whoa. I'll done you. Oh, Mr. Ponsett. Hmm? Oh. Oh, Miss Barker. I was hoping I'd run into you again. You were hoping... Oh, you want to borrow Scar? Well, it's about Scar. But I won't be borrowing him anymore. Oh? You see, I found out I was wrong to take him this morning. Uncle Jess told me that in the West, a man's horse is something he doesn't loan as a rule. I'm terribly sorry. I didn't mean to be so inconsiderate. Oh, you weren't being inconsiderate, Miss Barker. Back east, they probably have different customs, that's all. Then I'm forgiven? Oh, oh, sure, ma'am. You're very generous, Mr. Ponsett. Maybe you'll have dinner with us some evening. Well, I... So that I can prove to Uncle Jess that I haven't completely disgraced the family name. And so he's a very good cook. Yes, I've always heard about Miss Allen. I never had the opportunity to sample her food, though. Any evening at all. I'm sure you'd be most welcome. Uh, uh... Well, since I don't know just how long I'm going to be stopping here in town, maybe I oughtn't to put it off too long. I, I, uh, I'm going to be free tonight. Tell you, Miss Alden, I've been hearing folks brag about your cooking ever since I can remember, but they haven't done you justice. Well, they just didn't even come close. Oh, <laughs> Brett. Well, here, have another piece of shortcake. Oh, no, no, thanks. I just couldn't eat another mouthful. <laughs> you sure? Oh, no, absolutely positive. Thanks just the same, Roy. Well, now, if you're certain. <laughs> and I'll have another slice, eh? Now, Jesse, you've had more than your share. Besides, if you have another piece, there won't be enough for tomorrow. Shortcake ought to do for two meals. Well, you just offered bread. That's I... different. He's company. Uh-huh. Come on, Jesse. Help me with the dishes. Huh? The dishes? But I thought Myra usually... Myra was... has a guest. They might like to be alone for a few minutes. Now, come on, Jeff. Oh, oh, sure, sure, sure. We put the porch swing up this morning, Britt. Expect early for it, I know, but there sure is a feeling of summer in the air. Uh, yes, ma'am. Hey, yes. <clears throat> Would you, uh, care to go out on the porch, Miss Barker? We don't have to unless you really want to. I mean, just because Aunt Zoe suggested it. No, no, I think I might enjoy it. All right, then. I'm afraid she isn't very subtle, is she? How's that? You know perfectly well Aunt Zoe was throwing me at you. I knew she would when I invited you. Oh? The fact is, I'm sort of a disappointment to Aunt Zoe. She's done everything in her power to marry me off. But so far, she hasn't had any luck. Well, the young men she's introduced me to are all very nice and pleasant. Well, the truth is, I don't want to get married. Oh. Oh, I see. I'm not the least bit interested in settling down and cooking meals. I like a change of scenery. I like to meet new people. Uh-huh. From what Uncle Jess tells me about you, you feel the same way. Yeah, more or less, I reckon. So I thought that having you to dinner, well, it would please Aunt Zoe. And as far as we were concerned, we might get to be friends, but there'd be no danger of going beyond that point. Uh-huh. 
Well, now that that's all settled, shall we go inside? Oh, well, there's no hurry, is there? I mean, uh, as, as long as there's no danger, uh, I'm, I mean, uh, since we have this understanding, uh, it's a nice evening, isn't it? Whatever you say. You know, Miss Barker, I, I was just thinking, every once in a while, somebody tries to get me married off, too. Friends of mine, they, oh, their intentions are good, but, well... Oh, I know how it is. What I was getting at is this. I haven't any idea how long I'll be here in Willow Fork, and, uh, well, as long as I'm here, I was wondering if we couldn't see each other once in a while... That might take some of this marriage pressure off both of us. You see what I mean? Well, I suppose so, but... And uh, we wouldn't be running any risks in as how we have the understanding, you know. And uh, your aunt would be pleased, my friends would be pleased, and... Well, you know, you're awful good company, Miss Barker. Why, thank you. Well, how about it? Well, all in all, I think it's a very practical idea, Mr. Ponsett. I'd be delighted to see you again. Good. That's fine. Well, now, I'll, I'll uh, get in touch with you the next time there's a doings. It probably won't be right away, but I'll, uh, I'll get in touch with you. Hmm? You are listening to the last program in our series called The Six Shooter. Starring James Stewart as Britt Ponsett, the Texas plainsman whose name is legend in the Western Territories. Now, Act Two of the story called Myra Barker. Well, as it turned out, there was a door the very next night. Box supper over at the church. And since I'd sort of promised Myra that the next time there was anything going on, I... Well, anyway, we went to supper together, and the time seemed to pass by real pleasant. The next night, she was invited to a party at the Peterson house, and... Well, now that I look back on it, there sure was a lot of social activity in Willowford during the next couple of weeks. We were going one place or another almost every night... And I was enjoying myself, too. I really was. And I was enjoying being with Myra. I, I didn't realize how much until that evening when I was walking her home from the hayride. Well, Britt. Huh? You haven't said a word since we left the wagon. Well, it doesn't seem to be much to talk about. Oh, Well, here we are. It's pretty late. I won't ask you in. Sure. Good night. Rick. Hmm? What's wrong? You're cross as an old bear. Well, I just don't see why you had to spend the whole doggone evening with Dave Carstairs. Oh? And what were you two giggling all the time about? Well, I don't know. Dave's very amusing. Well, I just don't happen to agree with you on that. Anyway, I, I brought you to the hayride, didn't I? And if he can't find himself a girlfriend, we ought to stay home. Well, now, just a minute, Britt. Well? Aren't you taking a little too much for granted? We have an understanding, remember? We're not interested in each other. Romantically. How do you know we're not interested? Leastways, how do you know I'm not? 
Why, Britt? I guess this is as good a time to tell you as any other. I don't know how it happened. I never thought it could... I don't see... That is, Myra, will you marry me? Oh, Britt. I know you don't care for the idea, but I'm probably the last man in the world you'd ever... But even so, I've got to ask you. You'd better be careful, Britt. I might say yes. I wish you would, Myra. I'd give anything in the world if you would. You're serious, aren't you? I'm just as serious as I can be. But we both said that we didn't want to settle down. That we weren't interested in love or marriage. A man can change his mind, can't he? Myra? I guess if a man can change his mind, a woman can too. Myra! Is that you out there? Yes, Uncle Jess. It's time you were coming in, ain't it? It's almost 11 o'clock. I'll be right along. Can't you let him alone for a minute, Jess? I've got to get up in the morning, Zoe, and I need my sleep. I know I haven't got much to offer you, Myra, but I've saved up a little money, enough to get started. I thought maybe I could buy us a ranch. That is, if you'd like ranch life. Well, I, I haven't said I'd marry you, Britt. But I, I thought... Uh, well, you said you felt the same way I do, didn't you? I'm in love with you, Britt. I'll admit it. Well, the, but then... we're not children. We're used to living our own lives, and we've never put down roots. Either one of us. Well, it's high time we did. I've got to think it over. Just let me sleep on it. Tomorrow night, I'll tell you then. Oh, you'll say yes, Ma. You've just got to. I don't know, Britt. I, I don't know. Well, I put in some long days in my life, but that next one, that was the longest I ever spent. Boy, every once in a while I'd start thinking that it just couldn't be. That I hadn't really asked a girl to marry me. But then I'd remember Myra and it seemed like asking her to be my wife was the most sensible thing I'd ever done. Well, I had an early supper, what I could eat of it. And then I headed over to the Aldens. Myra was sitting on the porch swaying. She, she, she looked even prettier than she had before. Hello, Myra. You're early, Britt. Yeah, yeah, I guess I am. I thought maybe you'd be late. Or maybe you wouldn't come at all once you'd had a chance to think things over. Well, it wasn't me who had the thinking to do. Well, Myra, I'll marry you, Britt. Oh. I couldn't turn you down even if I thought it was best. Even if I knew it was. Oh, this is the best. Is it? Are you sure the day won't come when you're sorry you... You tied down when you're sorry you... Can't go off on a cattle drive to Kansas or you can't head over to a new mining camp in Nevada or you... You can't just be by yourself when you want to? No, I've had my share of cattle drives and mining camps, more than my share. And I don't want to be alone anymore, Myra. And besides, settling down will be just as hard for you as it is for me, you know. Your life will be changed, no, too. It won't be as hard. A woman has roots even if she doesn't realize it. They're there all the time, 
waiting to take hold. And when she... If she has a home and a family, forgetting everything else is easy. She does her traveling and her dreaming and her wanting through her children. No, Britt, it's harder for a man. But I'll, I'll manage it. And the day won't come when you'll want to get in the saddle and ride up as far as the snow on the mountains. The day won't come when somebody will ask you for help, you and your six-shooter, a friend, maybe a friend who needs you. You'll just have to do without. Well, maybe someone like Sheriff Jennings at Eagle Falls, a friend like him. What makes you mention Sam Jennings, my... You, you don't even know him, do you? A man came into the Gazette office this morning while I was there. He was from Eagle Falls. He'd said they'd uh, had some trouble there over a month ago. A shooting. Well, if it was a month ago... The sheriff was wounded and the man who did the shooting has a grudge against you. He was looking for you. That's why he came to Eagle Falls. Prescott, I think that was the name the man mentioned. Bide Prescott? Yes, that was it. Does he have a grudge against you, Britt? He did have. If the sheriff's wounded and wants you to come over to Eagle Falls to help him... Does Sheriff Jennings want me? The man in the office said he did. There's nobody else to go after Prescott, is there? I don't know. You'd like to go after him, wouldn't you? No. But you feel you should, don't you? But Prescott isn't here. Eagle Falls is over a hundred miles away. You haven't answered me, Brett. Do you feel you ought to go after him? Well, if what you say is so, if Sheriff Jennings got wounded on my account, if there's nobody else... Go ahead, Brett. Go on. Eagle Falls. Do you want me to go? Yes. Yes, I want you to. But it shouldn't take long. I'll come back. No. What? Don't come back, please. But I, I don't understand. There'll always be a Bide Prescott or a Sheriff Jennings. There'll always be someone or something calling to you, taking you away from me. Oh, you'd turn them down, you'd shut your ears, but you'd still hear it, Britt. And inside you'd feel that it was me that was holding you and it would be me. No, Myra, I wouldn't blame you. I'd blame myself. And I wouldn't like myself very much for doing it to you. Don't you see, Britt, we're lucky this happened tonight that we found out in time. No, Myra, I... Please, Britt, don't come back. Don't! Please, don't! Hmm? Oh. Oh, good morning, Jazz. Whoa, Scar. Whoa, whoa. Uh, would you mind stepping into the office a minute? I'd like to talk to you. Well, I, I uh... Don't take long. No, all right, Jazz. He's a boy. <clears throat> Sit down, Britt. No, I'm kind of restless today, Jazz. I... Thanks, anyway. <laughs> you sure have a fiddle foot, don't you? Yeah, yeah, I guess so. And you're on your way out of town, huh? Yeah. See, what about Myra? Uh, she's a fine girl, Jess. Really a fine girl. Mm-hmm. Britt, you're leaving on account of Sheriff Jennings over to Eagle Falls sent for you. Ain't that your reason? Mm, you might say so, in a way. Well, now, I don't want you to think that I meant to eavesdrop last night when you was talking to Myra, but... Somehow, Zoe forgot to shut the parlor window, and uh, we just couldn't help hearing a certain amount of what she said. 
Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. Well, it ain't true what Myra told you. Leastways, the part about Sheriff Jennings sending for you, that ain't true. The fellow from Eagle Falls didn't even mention your name. Jennings ain't asked for your help, Britt. Yeah. Yeah, I know, Judge. Huh? Well, you see, I ran into Bob Prescott three, four weeks ago, and, uh, well, there's no reason for anybody to be going after him now. Well, if you knew that, if you knew you didn't have to leave Willow Fork, why in the name of common sense didn't you say so to Myra? Oh, I figured she had her reasons for making up that story about Sheriff Jennings. I I figured she was trying to turn me down without hurting my feelings. Oh, Rich, she didn't want to turn you down. She was just trying to make sure you wouldn't feel you'd, you'd made a mistake if you married her. No, she couldn't really care for me very much, Jess. And why did she spend all night crying her eyes out? And why was Zoe up till all hours commiserating with her? Well, thanks for telling me that, Jess. Then you ain't leaving. Well, I'm leaving. But I'm real proud to know that Myra is somewhat fond of me. Britt, if you love her and she loves you... Oh, it's... It's enough that she cried over me for one night, Jess. You know, I... I remember when I was a kid... My pa was like me in a lot of ways. Always on the move, always off somewhere, getting a new start, taking a new job, hunting a new frontier. He loved my ma and she loved him, but she spent a lot of nights crying. A lot of nights. I just wouldn't want that to happen tomorrow. There's no reason it should. Yeah. Yes. Yes, there is. When she was telling me that story about Sheriff Jennings wanting me to come over to Eagle Falls, I I looked at myself real hard, and I knew that if it had been true, if Sheriff Jennings really had sent for me, well, it had been pretty hard for me to turn him down. Even for Myra's sake, it had been pretty hard. And someday I reckon I wouldn't be able to turn him down or anybody else like him, and... Myra'd spend another night crying, you see. One of these days you'll change, Britt. Maybe I will. Maybe I will. Well, can I tell Myra that you might come back to Willow Fort? No, Jess, I don't think you better. I... Of course, if I do come back and she's still... Well, maybe we'd just better wait and see what happens. So long, Britt. Good luck. Thanks, yes. I'll probably be seeing you again for too long. Let's go, Scar. Last program in the current series of The Six Shooter, a transcribed NBC Radio Network production in association with Review Productions. It is written by Frank Burt and is based on a character created by him. Mr. Stewart may currently be seen in the Universal International picture, The Glenn Miller Story. Others in the cast were Virginia Gregg, who played Myra, 
D.J. Thompson, Howard McNear, and Parley Bear. Special music for this program was by Basil Adlam, and the entire production is under the direction of Jack Johnstone. All characters and incidents were fictitious, and any resemblance to actual characters or incidents is purely coincidental. It's been good to be with you with the six-shooter each week, and I hope that sometime, somehow, we can do it again. This is John Wall speaking. Hear McDonald Carey and Jason and the Golden Fleece tonight on the NBC Radio Network. There's a town in Montana Territory where it's against the law to carry a gun. The sheriff lives by this order, but because of it, other men can die. Frontier Gentlemen. Here with an Englishman's account of life and death in the West. As a reporter for the London Times, he writes his colorful and unusual accounts. But as a man with a gun, he lives and becomes a part of the violent years in the new territories. Now starring John Daner, this is the story of J.B. Kendall, Frontier Gentleman. The journey had taken 98 days from St. Louis. I had come by riverboat up the Missouri, the little sternwheeler climbing, churning, scuttling over 2,000 miles of sandbar and rapid, then into the lonely wastes of another, swifter stream, the Yellowstone, until we finally docked at South Sunday in Montana Territory. My ticket had cost $300, which left me about 50 in my pocket, and the slim hope that there would be a letter at the express office with my remittance from England. Afternoon. Just in off the boat? Right. I wonder if there's a letter for me, J.B. Kendall... Kendall, uh, mm. any trouble on the way up? I hear the Sioux been kicking up their heels. Sitting bulls making big medicine again. Don't sound good. And we didn't see any. Kendall, Kendall, you English, ain't you? Uh, yes. I uh, figured by your talk. Uh, don't see many of you in these parts. Uh, nope, nothing for you, mister. You're sure? It's rather important from, from England? Nope, nothing. Uh, Maybe tomorrow on the overland, though. You say, are you planning to stay a while? I think so. Better get and register, then. Register? Over to Sheriff Clanton's office. There's a notice on the wall, maybe missed your attention. All strangers to South Sunday will, within one hour of arrival, register at the office of the sheriff or be prosecuted. That's Clanton's orders. Surprise you missed the signs. They're all over. Uh, thank you. Well, that's all right. Wouldn't want to see you in trouble. This ain't the healthiest town in the territory, not for strangers. Oh, uh, any particular reason? What? Well, 
Oh, excuse me. Afternoon, Mr. Farley. This here's Mr. Kendall, just off the boat. I, I was telling him about registering. Now, that's a good idea. Uh, Dick Farley is one of the sheriff's deputies. Helps keep South Sunday law-abiding. Big job. What's your business, Mr. Kendall? Oh, you might call me a jack-of-all-trades. I might. I do a little writing for a London newspaper, you know. An Englishman's view of the Wild West, that sort of thing. We don't take to strangers. Oh, really? Shame. I've been looking forward to my visit. Yeah, well, now you've seen it. You know what it's like, so supposing you get yourself back on that boat and try up the line to Rosebud at Junction City, huh? <laughs> I don't think so. Now, if you'll pardon me, I'll register at your office. You carrying a gun? No. Put your hands up. Over your head. Higher. Now, you hold it just like that. Just so. All right. That's your baggage? Yes. Pick it up. I beg your pardon? I said pick it up. Oh. All right, come on. Tell me, Mr. Farley, how did your town get its name? How should I know? I thought you'd take an interest, just as a matter of pride, a civic pride. Mister, I don't like the way you talk or what you say, so you shut your mouth, hear? Inside. Where you been, Dake? I've been checking on this fellow, Frank. He just come in off the boat. He says he's a writer, a newspaper in London or something. He ain't caring nothing. I searched him. You're Sheriff Clanton? Yeah. J.B. Kendall. I understand I have to register. Yeah. A writer, huh? You want to write about South Sunday? I might. How come? As a matter of fact, the name intrigued me. You kidding? No, not at all. I write about the West, and you're in the heart of it. From what I understand, there might be trouble brewing with the Sioux and the Cheyenne. I'd like to be here if it blows up. What's the name of your paper? The London Times. You ever hear of a Dake? No. Mister, all kinds come to these here parts. Now, I ain't exactly calling you a liar. No, it's quite all right. One can't be too careful. Uh, here, my papers. Uh, okay, be careful. Very subtle. Yeah. London Times. That's what it says. Here, you see, Dake? Yeah, that's what it says. Any other strangers get off the boat with him? No, just him. Well, you sound all right to me, Mr. Kendall. Now, just you remember, I got a set of rules here. You live by them while you're here, you'll get along. That seems fair enough. No man, except them authorized by me, carries a gun in South Sunday. That way we don't get a bunch of crazy, liquored-up miners and the like shooting up the place. It seems the usual thing for a man to be armed in most places. It ain't usual here. It's again the law. Oh, I see. You got yourself fixed up at the hotel? No, not yet. Well, and you going over to the Empire, Mr. Candle. You tell them Frank Clanton sent you. They'll take care of you. And very good of you. Dake, uh, take a look at his baggage. Right. Well, you're, you're going to search my luggage? That's right, mister. There are no guns in South Sunday, not worn or hidden. That's a law. I haven't got one. I sure am glad to hear it. I like a peaceable man. Yes, sir. A fellow like you might think of settling down here in South Sunday. The quietest little town in Montana Territory. It's an opportunity for a man. Well, I'll keep it in mind, Mr. Clanton. There ain't nothing in his bags. 
Well, now, Mr. Kettle, you enjoy your stay here. Anything you want, you just ask me. And uh, I'd appreciate it, sir, if you put my name in your paper. Whatever you want to say is okay with me. My hotel room was a palace in comparison to the cabin on the riverboat. After cleaning up, I went downstairs to the saloon bar in the hotel, ordered a drink before dinner. The place was practically empty, but I wasn't alone for long. Hi. You're the English fella, aren't you, Kendall? Yes, that's right. I'm Lila. I work here. Frank Clanton said be nice to you. I'm being nice. You want to buy me a drink? It's on Frank. Oh, delighted, delighted. Uh, bartender... Champagne, Harry. Yeah. Um... Frank says it's not ladylike to drink whiskey. Hey, what do you do to that man? I never seen him like this. He thinks I'm going to write about him for my paper. Are you? More than likely. You going to write about me, too? <laughs> if you want me to. I'm Dake Farley's girl. Dake doesn't like you. He got mad when Frank said to be nice to you. Does everybody in South Sunday do what Clanton tells them to do? Sure. Why? Here's a drink. Oh. Well, good luck. Uh, look here, Lila. What about Clanton? You seem like a nice fella. Don't ask questions. Well, what about you, then? Me? What do you care? Where are you from? I was born in Ohio. Got married and came out west. Five years back, my husband got killed in a gunfight. I don't know. I kind of drifted around. Ended up here, one place as good as the next. Is it? Yeah, I guess. What about you? Your home's in England, huh? It was. You one of them lords or dukes or something? <laughs> no, not exactly. Married? No, no, no. Must be interesting traveling around, seeing new things. Oh, it has its advantages. But I suppose you'll be glad to get back home. Well, let's just say that one place is as good as the next. Oh, you can't go back, huh? Trouble? In a way. Ah, Look, your friend's just come in, Mr. Farley. Listen, huh. you be careful with him. Dake can get awful mean. Well, doesn't he take orders from Clanton, too? Don't talk smart like that to him. It riles him. Ah, Mr. Farley. Good evening. Would you join us? No. I just come to say, don't you get no ideas about Lila. Now, what ideas do you think I'd have? I'm telling you. You're telling me what? Keep your hands off my girl, you understand? My dear fellow, I haven't touched your girl the thought never entered my mind. We were just having that drink, Dake, like Clanton Lila, said. Lila, you keep That's... out of this. Do you know that I find your manner toward this young lady rather offensive? Well, you're just asking for trouble, aren't you? Not at all. Now, you think you can come in here with your fancy talk, your fancy ways, and make a fool out of me? Now, maybe Frank's a sucker, but not me. I don't like you. I don't trust you one bit. Mr. Farley, it couldn't be of less consequence. What do you think of me? He'll kill you, you just like he... Up. <gasps> oh, that... I don't stand for chum. Oh, my nose. Imagine it's broken. Now, if you don't mind, I'll relieve you of these. A chap of your disposition has no right running around with even one gun, let alone two. You should have killed him. 
What on earth for? Listen, there's two more besides Dakin Clanton. They'll get you. You won't have a chance. I think you'd better clear out before Mr. Farley starts bleeding. He's not going to be in a very nice mood. Where are you going? Down to Mr. Clanton's office. I've got to have a little talk to him. In a moment, we'll return to Frontier Gentlemen. Who gets the last word? It all depends on who's playing CBS Radio's fascinating game Tuesday evening with Dr. Bergen Evans. A regular panel member is the witty and erudite John Mason Brown. Other guests vary from week to week. This Tuesday, they'll be Gary Moore and Lael Wertenbaker. These bright people take off from language questions sent in by listeners and cover all sorts of fascinating ground before one or another of them ultimately gives you the last word on the question. Get the last word this Tuesday when it comes to you over most of these same stations. And now we return you to Anthony Ellis's production of Frontier Gentlemen. down there. Dake went out the back. He'll have told Clanton by now. They'll be waiting. That's all right. What's the matter with you? You want to die? Of course not. If you're gunning for them... Gunning for who? I'm not gunning for anybody. Then why are you going to see Frank? Well, I told you. I want to talk to him. Talk? Listen, you've got to get out of town. My dear girl... Don't you know who they are? Should I? You don't know what you've done. Shh. Quick. This way. She took my hand and ran back up the street. We ducked down a narrow alleyway, up a rickety flight of stairs, which was the back entrance of the Empire Hotel, then along a musty corridor, past my room, and into hers. Oh. Uh, I don't think they'll think of looking for you here. Your friend Mr. Farley is going to be quite upset if they do. His name's not Farley. Clanton isn't Clanton. They're the Shelton boys. Shelton? The New Mexico Shelton boys? There's four of them. Brothers. What are they doing in South Sunday? Hiding out from Billy the Kid. Dake killed one of Billy's men. Billy swore to get them all for it. That's why Frank won't let anybody carry a gun. How do you know all this? It was my husband Dake killed. Harry joined up with Billy for excitement, I guess. One time he was gone out of town three months. I was lonesome. I met Dake when Harry came back. They had a fight over me. Dake outdrew him. We ran away together. And you thought I'd come after them, that Billy had sent me? They'll think it too now. <laughs> Lila, who made Frank sheriff here? Nobody. There wasn't one when we came. He just took over. <laughs> Funny thing is, I guess he's a pretty good sheriff. He's quit the old ways and likes it here. Why have you told me all this? I don't know. You talked with me like I was a lady. Indian treats his squaw better than Dake treats me. Maybe I wanted to see you finish him. And it's not going to be very pleasant for you anymore. Pleasant? Mm. Oh, mister, you've got a funny way of saying things. Lila, is there anywhere you could go, friends? In South Sunday? Now, what about home? I mean, Ohio. Home. You know what it'd cost to get there? I got no money. But if you could. If I could. I had nice folks. I don't even know if they're alive or dead. But I'd sure like to take a chance and find out. Well, Lila, we'll see what we can do. Where are you going now? To have that talk with Frank. 
Uh, do you know how to use a gun? Yes. Uh, take this one. Uh, lock yourself in after I've gone. You keep it. Huh? I've got a derringer. Oh, all right. Uh, here, in, in case I have any trouble, it's only $50. I don't want your money. Well, at least you'll be able to get out of town. Now, take it. Watch yourself, will you? Dake's got a mean draw. <laughs> I'll watch myself. The Shelton brothers and probably two of their chums were out looking for me now, and I was pretty certain of that. I was looking for them, too, but the advantage was on their side. The town was strange to me. So I went to the one place where I was fairly sure I'd be safe from a surprise attack. Your hands where they are. You're Kendall? I'm Kendall. Billy the Kid sent you. Now listen, You I... may very slowly, carefully unbuckle your gun belt and let it drop to the floor. If you try to be foolish and brave, I shall be delighted to shoot you in the stomach. Not me, Mr. Kendall. You see, just, just like you say. Which Shelton are you? Monroe. Very well, Monroe. I wish you to walk to that cell in the far corner, go in, and close the door behind you. You will then stand with your back to the door. You wouldn't kill me. Oh, yes, I would. Close it, please. Good. Turn around, please. Now, I'm going to gag you. In order to do so... I must put my guns away and use two hands. If by any chance your friends come in and you make an outcry while I'm doing this, I shall teach you a trick I learned in India. It feels something like this. Effective, don't you think? Yeah. Right. Now, head close to the bars, please. Oh, by the way, how many are there looking for me? Uh, hmm? Two? Uh, three. Ah, three. There. Now, we'll make ourselves comfortable and wait for your brothers. I told you, Monroe, not a sound. Kendall! We know you're in there! Blast! Uh, Kendall! You hear me? Is there a back door? Mm -mm. Come out with your hands up! Oh, we're coming in after you! Let's get that mm. gag off. I can see I'm going to need you. What, what are you going to do? I'll probably have to end up killing you. Uh, nothing personal, you understand. Uh, what do you say, Kendall? Out you come. Open the door and throw your guns out. I've got a much better idea. You open the door. 
and throw your guns in. Monroe! Are you in there? Tell him. Yeah, I'm in here, Frank. Gendo, you come on out. Maybe we can make a deal. You can keep your gun. I think it'd be safer if you came in without yours. We could rush you. You couldn't get all three of us. You have my permission. I don't know how your brother will feel about it. You want to tell him? Now, don't do anything crazy, Frank. He's got a gun at my head. He'll kill me. Frank! I hate to do this, but I'm afraid I don't believe you. No, no. Hey, Frank, he's going to shoot. You do what he says. All right, all right. Hand up. We'll open the door. Throw in our gun. You give us your word you won't shoot. Not unless you do. One, two, three. Any more? No. Uh, we're coming in now. Well, a pleasant family reunion. The brothers Shelton. Uh, keep your hands where I can see them, won't you? Now, now, look. Kid made a mistake about what happened down south. Uh, Dick didn't mean to kill Lila's husband, did you, Dave? I drew him, that's all. Yeah, that's the way it was. Lila knows it, it was a fair fight. She'll tell you. Speaking of Lila, I hope she's well. Oh, she's fine. Mm. Now, we got no fight with the kid or you. Now, why don't we all go on down the saloon and have a drink, huh? Talk it over. Oh, me and my brothers have been living a nice, quiet life up here. We don't want to make no trouble. Get him, Jake! My arm! Frank! Completely dishonorable and most unwise. Frank! Any more hidden armaments? You going to kill us? It depends. Mr. Shelton, have you got $500? Yeah, reckon so. Uh, Lila wants to go home. That's about what it'll cost. You have the money here. Yeah, she's safe. Mm-hmm. Well, sure, she could take the boat out when it leaves in the morning. Ain't that so, Dave? Sure, sure she could. Get it. <laughs> ah, good. That settles the account. Now, all of you, get into the cell. Oh, incidentally, until this evening, I had no idea who you were. And I've certainly never met your friend, Billy the Kid. <laughs> I thought you'd like to know. Hey, what about Dake? He's got to have a doctor. Or he'll bleed to death. He probably will. I'm going back to the hotel. If Lila's all right, I'll send a doctor. If she's not, we'll find an undertaker. I want to thank you, Mr. Kendall. It's nothing, Lila. Good luck. You ever come Ohio way? You look me up. You hear? I'll remember that. Oh. <laughs> You're a gentleman. I'll never forget you. Goodbye.
Ah, morning, Mr. Kendall. Hear about the trouble last night? Yes. Sure must have been something. According to the sheriff, a whole gang rode in trying to shoot him up. A gang? Yep. Six of them. Dake Farley got hit in the arm. Really? The sheriff ran him off, though. Marvelous. I'll have to mention that in my article to the London Times. Uh, now, I wonder, has that letter from England arrived yet? Nope, I'm afraid not. Mail's already come in. Won't be any more till next week. Ah. Uh, well, when it does come, perhaps you'll be kind enough to forward it to me. Sure. What address? In care of the express office. Rosebud, Montana Territory. Frontier Gentleman was written, produced, and directed by Anthony Ellis and stars John Daner as J.B. Kendall. Featured in the cast were Jack Crucian, Virginia Gregg, Stacey Harris, Harry Bartell, and Barney Phillips. Music was composed and conducted by Jerry Goldsmith. Join us again next week for another report from The Frontier Gentleman. Johnny Jacobs speaking. This is the CBS Radio Network. Enter the territory on west. There's just one way to handle the killers and the spoilers, and that's with the U.S. Marshal and the smell of gun smoke. Gun smoke, starring William Conrad. The story of the violence that moved west with young America. The story of a man who moved with it. Matt Dillon, United States Marshal. Could I give you some more coffee? Uh, yeah, I guess so. How about you, Chester? Yes, sir, I believe I will. Now, why don't you just leave the coffee pot here on the table, Miss Keller? Why, sure thing, Marshal. Right. Well, I got some fresh eggs this morning, if you're interested. They oh? were just brought in. Well, good, good. Uh, cook us up about a half a dozen of them, huh? Have them for you right away, Mr. Dillon. <laughs> All right. Fresh eggs, my. I'll swear if Delmonico's ain't getting to be about as fancy as some of them Kansas City restaurants. <laughs> well, that's civilization, Chester. Progress. Another five years, and Dodge City will be tame, curried, and bridled. <laughs> see, and believe it, Mr. Dillon. <laughs> well, you'll see it. Both of us will see it. That is, if we live that long. Yeah. I beg your pardon, gentlemen. Uh, you Mr. Yes? Dillon, the marshal here? Uh, yes, that's right. Well, I'm sorry to bother you at breakfast, marshal. My name is Hunter. Ed Hunter. Mr. Hunter. 
I'm a deputy sheriff from Richmond, Virginia. Come in on the Santa Fe this morning. I see. Well, uh, why don't you pull up a chair, Mr. Hunter? Uh, thank you, sir. Uh, Chester Broadfoot, Mr. Hunter. How do you do? How do you do, sir? This here's my first trip to the frontier. I find it a rather remarkable experience. <laughs> I can imagine. Uh, won't you have some coffee? Oh, no, thank you. Marshal, I'm here to arrest two men who are wanted in Virginia. No? Here are the warrants and the orders of extradition. I stopped off for them in Topeka. Uh-huh. Uh, John Allison. Calvin Moore. Both wanted for murder, huh? Hey, do you know these men, Mr. Hunter? No, sir, I don't. Well, the names aren't familiar to me. I never heard of them. Have you a Chester? No, sir, Mr. Dillon. Well, I have some information that may help. Not much on Allison, I'm afraid. He shot and killed a bank teller at Greenbrier last spring. Oh? He's about 30 years old, dark hair and mustache, medium build, an excellent horseman and a confirmed gambler. <laughs> well, that's fine. That narrows it down to about two-thirds of the men in Dodge City. <laughs> <laughs> well, possibly I can do a bit better in regard to Calvin Moore, Mr. Dillon. <laughs> Now, he came down to Richmond from the north and set up practice as a medical doctor. He was about 29 at the time. And he ambushed and shot young Roger Beauregard and then left town. That was uh, 17 years ago. Beauregard's been trying to trace him ever since. Well, I'm afraid that's a pretty well, long time. I have a time. picture of Moore, photograph. Oh? Of course, he was much younger than this. Well, sometimes there's still quite a resemblance even after 17. Something familiar about that picture, Mr. Dillon? Uh, uh, 17 years. He must be somewhere past 45 now, huh? Hmm. Are you sure that these men are here in Dodge, Mr. Hunter? Reasonably so. Is there something about that photograph that makes you... Well, it's, it's too blurred to tell much about it. Besides, he'd be 17 years older. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, I tell you what, Mr. Hunter, suppose you leave the picture and the descriptions with me, and I'll check around town and... I'll keep in touch with you. Why, thank you, sir. Oh, I wonder if you might suggest a good hotel. Uh, certainly. Why don't you try the Dodge House? It's a corner of Railroad Avenue at the end of the plaza of the East End. Uh, tell the deacon I sent you. I uh, thank you again, Mr. Dillon. And I'll be grateful for any help you can give me in this matter. Yeah, sure. So long. You want to see the photograph, Chester? Yes, sir, I do. For, for Mr. Dillon, that is... That's... Yeah. What are you going to do, Mr. Dillon? I don't know, Chester. He's my friend. I, I, I never asked him anything about his life before he came here. Didn't seem to matter. But now the law says he's a murderer. I'm part of the law. So now it does matter. Maybe it's not him. No, it's him, all right, Chester. You saw it the same as I did. It's dark. Work, 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 work. This is the first chance I've had this week to clean a few instruments properly. Gunshot wounds. Oh, man. I'll lay odds I'm the only doctor in the United States who makes three-fourths of his living off of gunshot wounds. <laughs> That's a rough country, Doc. Yes, indeed it's a rough country. Uh, maybe you ought to have stayed back east. Yes, huh? broken bones, babies, and gunshot wounds. Well, I wouldn't know the first thing about a good civilized case of gout anymore. Uh, 
What part of the East did you come from, Doc? You see, I went to medical school in Boston. I studied consumption, colic, liver complaints. <laughs> Never had a case of liver complaint in all the time I've been here, though. No, I guess that kind of thing is more common down south, around uh, Richmond, Virginia, for instance, huh? <sighs> Matt, stop beating around the bush. You've got something on your mind, and it's bothering you. Look, Doc, uh... A deputy sheriff from Virginia came in on the morning train. He's got a warrant for murder against a man named Calvin Moore. He's got a photograph of Moore taken 17 years ago. Would you like to look at it? All things are taken from us and become portions and parcels of the dreadful past. Are you Calvin Moore? It wasn't murder, Matt. They said it was murder, of course. The Beauregards were an important family. Would you like to tell me about it? Oh, not much to tell, Matt. I had been in practice in Richmond about a year. And there was a girl. Beautiful girl. The spirit and fire and that soft radiance that only southern girls seem to have. And, uh, me, that was so long ago. Uh, I've been in the south myself. Uh, Roger Beauregard and I were both courting this girl... He was a typical Virginia gentleman, hot-headed, used to having his own way. He started threatening me, warning me, and I laughed it off. Then one day I was coming back from a case, and I ran into Roger on a country road. He had a pair of dueling pistols, and he challenged me. But, well, that's not a crime, Doc. That's self-defense. It's not a crime here anyway. Well, I tried to talk him out of it, but he was crazy mad. He... He shoved one of the pistols in my hand, and he pulled back on his horse, and he leveled his gun. I had no choice. We both fired. He missed. I didn't. Self-defense, yes, but there were no witnesses, and I was an outsider, a Yankee. So you ran for it, is that it? I ran for it. St. Louis, Virginia City, Montana Territory, the Panhandle, Wichita, Abilene... In Dodge. I changed my name to Charles Adams. And the, uh, the girl, Doc, what happened to her? I waited for her in St. Louis. We were married there. Two months later, she died of typhoid fever. Well, you never know. No matter how much you figure you understand somebody, you... Just quite never know. I can't go back there, Matt. I've got no defense. I'd mean prison. I'd rot in prison. I won't go back, Matt. Not Doc. Look, Hunter is here after two prisoners. I got no right to, to my own rules to go after one man and keep the other one covered. I always figured that the only kind of law that would work out here is an honest law. What are you going to do? Doc, I don't know. You're late, Matt. I decided you weren't going to stop in tonight. Is Chester around, Kim? Yeah, over there by the ferro table. No. Matt, 
What about this Virginian who's been hanging around for the last two days? Oh, Hunter? Yeah. He's a deputy sheriff, got a couple of warrants to serve. Why? Well, he's been asking questions. Some of the boys are getting a little skittish. Now, there's no call for it as long as they're not named Allison or Moore. Are you free now, Miss Kitty, huh? or are you busy? What's it look like? Well, I figured maybe he was just killing time. Uh, hiya, Marshal. Bunko? Uh, bought you a drink, Kitty. It's over on the bar. All right. Thanks. Matt, I'll be off in a couple of hours. Drop around. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. I understand you've got a rival lawman in town, Marshal. Well, there's a deputy here from Virginia, if that's what you mean. I always figured you were the law here. Is he short in this town, Marshal? Say the word, we'll run him out. I ever ask you for help, Bunko? Well, no. When but... a man's short and dodge, I'll run him out. No offense, Marshal. You keep your own cinch tight. Don't worry about anybody else, huh? I'll see you, Bunko. I swear I never saw anybody such bad luck in all my life. My gracious, he ought to swear off Pharaoh and stick the stud. Oh, Chester. Hmm? The old Jethro Keener, he just lost three weeks' pay. And Bunko Benson, sitting right there beside him, mind you, picked up $230. So that's why he's feeling big. Uh, come on, Chester, let's take a walk. Huh? Yes, sir. Three weeks' pay. Mercy, I never saw such luck. What about Doc, Chester? He turned in a couple of hours ago. That's when I came on over here. How's he acting? About as usual. No signs of planning to run out, if that's what you mean, Mr. Don. One thing he's doing, though, that he's never done before, he's toting a gun. Uh, good evening, Marshal. Oh, uh, hello, Mr. Hunter. Since you didn't come to me, Mr. Dillon, I've come to you. I'm wondering what progress you've made. Well, I, uh, I'm still checking. Any results at all, Marshal? Well, I don't have much to go on, you know. Now, Calvin Moore was a doctor by profession. He might still be practicing. I suggest we investigate the local doctors. Well, that wouldn't take long. We've only got one, Doc Adams. How long has he been here? Oh, about four years. How old a man is he? Mm, late 40s, I imagine. But he doesn't show much resemblance to that photograph you gave me. Well, maybe you're too used to him to notice the resemblance. Yeah, maybe. I'd like to look him over myself, Marshal. Well, uh, he's pretty busy out on calls most of the time, and... Uh... Not all the time. No, not all the time. All right, Mr. Hunter, I'll bring him around. That's funny, Mr. Dillon. Yeah, he should have answered by now. Well, we're wasting our time, Chester. He's gone. Well, now, he, he, he might have got called out on a case. Yeah, I know, but I don't... Hey, what? Uh, that was across the plaza, down toward the Dodge house. Come on, Chester. Somebody sure is stirring up smoke. Yeah, that's across the street. Edge of the railroad yards, I think. Uh, 
that you, Marshal? Yeah. What happened, Mr. Hunter? Somebody tried to kill me. I started into the hotel and they fired from the dock here. I fired back, but he got away. You, uh, get a good look at him? Oh, no, I just saw the flashes. Now, this is an easy town to get killed in, Mr. Hunter. So it seems. About that doctor, Marshal, you didn't bring him around. Well, uh, he's out on call. I think I want to meet him more than ever now. Return for the second act of Gunsmoke in just a moment. But first, there's a world of wonderful entertainment awaiting you every weekday in the daytime with CBS Radio's roster of wonderful dramatic serials. This Monday, listen in. And now, for the second act of Gunsmoke. What time is it, Chester? Uh, 2.15 a.m., Mr. Dillon. Yeah. I sure hope we don't have to spend the whole night waiting here. I don't see how Doc puts up with the smell of all this medicine. He's used to it, I guess. Yeah. I suppose a man can get used to anything except dying. You think it could have been him that fired those shots, Mr. Dillon? Chester. Hmm? There's somebody coming. Come on in, Bunko. The doc's not here, but he'll probably be... Oh, what happened to your arm? I... I got thrown into a barbed wire fence. Here, let's have a look at it, huh? No, 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 no. It's, it's all right. It's a gunshot wound. All right, hold it, both of you. Well, is that the same gun you tried to kill Hunter with, Bunko? Stay where you are, Marshal. Yeah. Around 30 years old, dark hair, mustache... Medium build, excellent horseman, confirmed gambler. Wanted from uh, John Allison. Uh, alias Bunko Benson. Am I right, Bunko? He's not taking me back there. You stay where you are, Dylan. Now, don't be a fool, Bunko. Put away the gun. Stay back. I'm, I'm warning you. Bunko, look! Hey, look! What? All right, Chester, let's get him over to the jail. Just hold Easy. still now, Bunker. Just, just, just one more second. I'll have hold that bullet now, and then we'll just... Ah! <laughs> Uh, now, add that one to your collection, Matt. Well, I'll make Hunter a present of it. It wasn't bad shooting to be firing in the dark at a gun flash. 
He'll never get me back to Virginia. Now, hold still, Bunko. Oh, Don't expect right, a man but... to tie a bandage with your arm waving around like a mare's tail in fly time. See, how'd you know he'd come to my office, man? Uh, I didn't, Doc. We were waiting for you. Oh, I see. There we are. No, 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 no. That ought to stop the bleeding. And don't loosen it up, Eddie. <laughs> and you'll live to hang yet. Don't worry about my hanging, Doc. I'll outlive you. Well, in view of the circumstances, uh, I'd say the odds are about even. Well, Matt, shall we adjourn to the front office? Yeah, come on, Doc. Uh, lock the cell, will you, Chester? Yes, sir. Well, I turned in at 10 o'clock tonight. I've got one hour of sleep. They called me over to Mrs. Behan's. She thought her baby was on the way. False alarm, of course. Usually is the first time. And I got back and I came straight over here. Uh, Doc, you were wearing a gun earlier today. What'd you do with it? Oh, I put it back in the drawer where it belongs. I realized I was acting like a fool. Uh, was that where you were waiting in my office? Somebody tried to kill Hunter, and, and you thought... Look, uh, Doc, I, I've i tried to think of some way out of this. A, a way out for both of us. I got one man under arrest back there now, and I, I can't rightly set myself up as a judge and free the other man. I'd even hoped you'd cut and run for it. You, you'd get away if you did, you know. Hunter doesn't know the country. I've been running for 17 years, Matt, and, and it's still caught up with me. I'm too old to run any farther. What are you going to do? I'm a lawman, Doc, right or wrong. Well, then I guess I'm under arrest. Huh? No, I, I, I didn't say that. I, I just said that... Doc Evans here, there's a... Oh, well, there you are, Doc. Yes, yes, what's the trouble? A fellow over in the railroad yards asleep on the track. He was drunk, I guess. They were switching cars. You better come, Doc. He's awful bad. I got two lanterns, Mr. Dillon. That ought to be enough. Good, Chester. You ready, Doc? You're ready as I'll ever be. All right, let's go, then. Uh, he said near the loading pens down this way, I guess. Yes, sir. It looks like some lights over there. People around. Yeah. Marshal, is that you? Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, Hunter. Uh, I thought you went to bed hours ago. I'm a light sleeper, Mr. Dillon. I heard there's an accident over in the yards. Thought it might give me a chance to meet your local doctor. Well, I uh, guess you can meet him right now if you want to. Doc, this is Ed Hunter, Doc Adams. How do you do, sir? Mr. Hunter? I, uh, I got one of your prisoners locked up, Mr. Hunter, John Allison, known here as Bunko Benson. Good. I just found out he's the man who tried to kill you tonight. He caught one oh. of your bullets in his arm. Well, I see. Why, then it's one down and one to go. Just Calvin Moore. Dr. Calvin Moore. Uh, this is no time to stand around making chin music. I'm sorry, well, that's Hunter. That's quite all we... right, Marshal. I'll go with you. <laughs> Will you pardon us, please? Uh, all right, will you move back and let us through here, please? Here, here, Doc, this way. Yeah, I'm right with you, Matt. Uh, please stand back now, will you? Give Doc a chance to work. Yes, uh, please, if you please, just stand back. Uh, uh, oh. 
Oh, bad is right. Uh, well, we'll do what we can. Come on. That man who's hurt, Marshal, who is he? Oh, just a drifter. Been around Dodge a couple of years. Calls himself Texas Joe. No friends or family. Nobody knows where he came from. It's the usual story. Well, easy now, Tex. We'll have you fixed up here in just a couple of shakes. Is... Is that you, Doc? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I told him, get you. Be all right if you got here. Why, sure, it'll be all right. You just lie still now. And... Yeah. <laughs> Certainly has to work under primitive conditions. Doc? Mm. Yeah. Uh, Chester, will you get those lanterns going and give Doc some more light? Yes, Mr. Dillon. Yeah, he's the only real doctor this side of Abilene. Hey, Mr. Dillon, is there anything I can do to help? I guess not, Miss Kelly. Thanks, anyway. Poor old Tex. Why, he stopped in the restaurant not more than four hours ago. I fixed him a meal. Uh, you never know. Well, Doc can pull him through if anybody can. Sure he can. Uh, put one of those lanterns on the other side there, Chester. Yes, Doc. You seem to have a lot of faith in this Dr. Adams. They've got reason to, Mr. Hunter. Uh, Matt, uh, could you give me a hand here? Oh, yeah. Yeah, sure, Doc. Lift his head up just a little bit there, Matt. Yeah, all right. Uh, Not much of a chance. All I can do is make him comfortable. Marshal Dillon. Now, don't try to talk, Taxi. You're going to be all right. You, you've been decent to me, Marshal. Just a bum, but you treated me square. You and Doc, only friends I got. Sure, Tex. I, I got one more favor to ask. Could someone... Could someone read me some scripture? Well, Tex, I... I just don't recall anything. Marshal, I, I know some. Uh, Mrs. Kelly, I, I doubt if you I, can... I can hear... Please. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. Uh, Mrs. Kelly. He restoreth my soul. Uh, Mrs. Kelly. He... Uh, I think that's enough. Poor soul. Well, you can't win them all, I guess. No, you can't win them all, Doctor. Well, I'm... Doctor, as the only physician here, I suppose you also function as coroner. That's right. Yes. This man will be buried under the name of Texas Joe. Hey, don't you worry about that. Excuse me. Boot Hill is full of men buried under nicknames. In this country, we... Doc! Doc, I just came to... Oh... What, Kitty? Well, uh, Doc, I, I've been sitting up with Mrs. B, and you left too soon. She needs you over there right away. Well, then it wasn't a false alarm. No. All right, Kitty, I'll be there just as quick as I can, but, well, well, as soon as I... Uh, Kitty, you go on back over and do what you can for her, huh? Doc will be along. Well, all right, Matt, but you better hurry. Well, Mr. Hunter, I, uh... Uh, Gentlemen, this seems to have been my lucky night. Both my fugitives located within an hour of each other. I guess there's nothing I can do One of them safely in jail and one of them dead. 
What? Uh, didn't you notice the resemblance, Marshal? That Texas Joe there, he's obviously the man in the photograph. I saw it immediately. Well, Mr. I hope Hunter, you'll I... take all the necessary steps to see that he's buried under his real name, Calvin Moore. His death, of course, closes the case, and I'll be leaving for Virginia with my other prisoner tomorrow. Well, Mr. Hunter, I... I just don't know what to say. Well, <laughs> now, I'd say it's no time to stand around making chin music, Dr. Adams. You have a patient waiting, and this town seems to depend on you. Well, of course, but... Hey, you got I... work to do, Doc. And, uh, Doc, make sure it's a boy, huh? Well, I'll, uh... <laughs> um, I'll do my darndest, Matt. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, good night, gentlemen. Good night, Doc. Good night, Doc. Gunsmoke, under the direction of Norman MacDonald, stars William Conrad as Matt Dillon, U.S. Marshal. Tonight's story was specially written for Gunsmoke by Les Crutchfield, with music composed and conducted by Rex Corey. Featured in the cast were Lawrence Dobkin, Lou Krugman, Paul Dubov, and Vivi Janis. Parley Bear is Chester, Howard McNear is Doc, and Georgia Ellis is Kitty. Gunsmoke is heard by our troops overseas through the facilities of the Armed Forces Radio Service. Join us again next week as Matt Dillon, U.S. Marshal, fights to bring law and order out of the wild violence of the West in Gunsmoke. Tomorrow evening, listen for Lionel Barrymore, your host on CBS Radio's Sunday Night Playhouse. There'll be another specially selected historical drama or a classic from literature with a cast of stars perfectly suited for the roles in the story. Every Sunday evening, hear Lionel Barrymore on your Sunday night playhouse over most of these same CBS radio stations. Truly an outstanding dramatic experience here at the Star's Address. Roy Rowan speaking. And remember, for thrilling dramas of escape, listen every Sunday night to the CBS radio network.